Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 88 of The Path Podcast. I am Jason. Hey, I'm Derek. And we are so glad that you've decided to join us on The Path this week as we continue in the book of Revelation. We um, looked at the rest of chapter 8 and really kind of um, it, it bookended these, these two Sundays that we've had where um, we kind of went back and, and brought some of the first part of chapter 8 back in because it really helps to round out the discussion. But um, one of the interesting things that, that you did for us yesterday, Derek, was helped us to develop this biblical theological look at what's happening here in Revelation chapter 8. So um, before we kind of dig into some deeper discussions, why don't you help uh, for anyone who maybe didn't hear it yesterday or anyone who maybe was like, why did we talk about the book of Exodus when we were looking at Revelation? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just help us uh, connect those dots really quick, and then we'll dig into some deeper con- uh, discussion. Yeah, this is not original to me. Um, I'm pretty sure I heard it on a podcast uh, called Blessed by Nancy Guthrie, and she had um, theologians come on and talk about Revelation mm-hmm. and meaning. And one of the people said, I can't wish I could remember who, but I don't, so sorry. <laughs> uh, but they st- said that, in Revelation, we don't we don't look at the immediate context enough, and we don't go old enough, right? Mm-hmm. So what we must understand is that this uh, book of Revelation is steeped in Old Testament prophecy. Yeah. Uh, reiterations of that, John is uh, uh, calling back to that. The, uh, the vision that John received calls back to that. Uh, we see you know imagery that was shown in a lot of places, uh, Ezekiel and... Uh, um, Jeremiah and Exodus and mm-hmm. in other places as well and so um, we'd be amiss to look at this passage and not automatically kind of hear the the um, the familiarity mm-hmm. of language in um, these trumpet judgments these yeah. you know these trumpet blasts that take place um, on this cosmic scene, yeah, and and they they sound, and it's intentional. They sound like a reiteration or a parallel to the plagues that took place mm-hmm. in Egypt when God was uh, rescuing His people out of the grip of the Egyptian yeah. oppression that they'd been under for four hundred plus years, right. So, um, if we look at it that way, it, it helps kind of open our eyes. You know, I, I said yesterday, um, I'm not sure if anybody else caught it, but I thought it was pretty clever. But, it, you know, what I said is that in Exodus chapter 3, uh, we see Moses um, viewing a vision of the glory of God ablaze inside of a, mm-hmm. a fire. Yeah, uh, uh, inside a of a bush yeah. that's burning, ablaze but not burning. Yeah, um, and in John or in Revelation, we see John before uh, Jesus in a blaze of glory. Yeah, um, and um, and God is revealing to Moses in Exodus that He is going to rescue. Uh, his people, he's heard their cries, mm-hmm. and he is answering their cries. 400 years worth of cries, by yeah. the way. But he's answering them. He's heard them. They've gone up to him. He's he's going to basically reveal to Pharaoh his glory. Yeah. 
and uh, and then take a people for himself and uh, and go with them and and help them to become his people yeah like they were supposed to be all along well the same kind of thing is happening here in Revelation and it helps give us a fuller understanding a better picture of what's happening because it's it's easy to see in hindsight yeah it's easy you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, so it's easy to look at Exodus like, oh God did that there and this is why and we kind of understand that because we've studied it we mm-hmm. under, we know that we've heard it since we were little kids yeah and, you know the ten plagues and you know um, the exodus and all that stuff yeah Yeah, yeah. we we get it that God was taking his people to the promised land Mm -hmm. you know we understand those kind of things Um, they they had to be in the wilderness um, you know during that time you know they came out of Egypt but Egypt hadn't come out of them yet so (laughs) that's you know those those little understandings and, and cliches you know a little bit but but truth but but here, it's kind of this penultimate moment mm-hmm. of I'm rescuing my people once yeah. and for all. Yeah. Once and for all. It's not just a shadow of it like we've seen, and not just in Exodus, but other times yeah, other as well. Places, yeah. It is that ultimate, this is done. Yeah. This kingdom of this world is about to come toppling down. It's going to come crumbling down. Like the walls of Jericho that we see in Joshua, mm-hmm. uh, which the seven trumpet blasts, you know, you remember they... They circled, you know, six times. Then on the seventh time, they circled seven times. And on that mm-hmm. seventh time, they blew the the, the final trumpet, and the yeah. walls came down. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what's happening here with these seven trumpet blasts. The kingdom of this world is toppling down. It's it's crashing down. Yeah. And so um, we between between Joshua and the Jer- the Jericho uh, the siege of Jericho, mm-hmm. if you will, and the Exodus, the ex- we we see two, um, we see two things that are embedded mm-hmm. into this scene in heaven, yeah. in John's vision of Jesus and His glory, right, and His final glory. So then, what what would you say? Because I think that uh, an interesting point comes up, because you you're right. We look back and say. Um, yeah, looking back, you look back at the Exodus, and you know the the Egyptians were in. I mean, the uh, the Israelites were in slavery to the Egyptians. They had been for four hundred years, and yes, they needed to be rescued because they were oppressed. What would you say to the person who's like, how am I being oppressed today? What do I need to be rescued from? Mm-hmm. Um, what because I think that I think that we we could look at or you know someone could look at Revelation eight uh, specifically and be like. What what is why is what is this for? What am I being rescued from? I don't feel oppressed right now. Um, what what would you say to that person? Yeah. Number one, I would say, though we don't feel oppressed, like to the extent of like the Exodus, yeah, uh, oppression before the Exodus. There are Christians. There's our brothers and sisters across the world that are. Mm. We're blessed to live in America. Yeah. And it is still free to worship. And that's been solidified even in recent SCOTUS, mm-hmm. uh, Supreme Court of the United States, yeah. um, religious freedom uh, rulings. rulings. Yeah. So, yeah. But there are brothers and sisters in Christ they are dying daily because yeah. of their faith in Christ. So, number one, just because we don't feel oppressed doesn't mean that oppression is not happening right. to the body of Christ. Yeah. It is. And we should... We should be more concerned about that than we are. Um, mm-hmm. I should be more concerned about that than I am. Yeah. I know about it. 
but I'm not as concerned as I should. Sure. Because that's our those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the body of Christ. Yeah. Number one. Number two. Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of the power of the air, powers of darkness mm-hmm. at work all the time. That's the kingdom we're talking about. Yeah. That kingdom has reared itself in actually earthly kingdoms in the past. Egypt, Babylon, mm-hmm. um, Rome, yeah. and they oppressed the people of God. Um, that's happening in, you know, places like, uh, you know, socialist China that it's illegal to be a Christian unless you're part of the approved church. And yeah. even that's getting hairy right. lately. Or Southeast Asia where, like, you know, it's you're, you're hiding mm-hmm. uh, to be a Christian. Or Afghanistan, like, but... It's funny because oh, it's not funny. Those that's where Christianity's grown the fastest, right? In all those places where right. oppression is the hardest. So, all that to say, oppression is happening out there. Mm-hmm. But this world, the, the kingdom of this world, and we've talked about it. It's like kind of you know I described it kind of like it's this cocoon that the kingdom of God is like always there, but it's finally bursting bursting out. through, yeah. and it tears apart that the kingdom that thinks it's in control yeah. and that's the kingdom of, of Satan, the kingdom of, I mean, these are descriptors that the Bible gives, yeah. you know, it's the, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of the devil. I mean, like all these kind of things. Well, that is oppressing us. Mm-hmm. Whether we feel it or not. Well, we do feel it. That's the thing. Yeah. Like whether, we, whether we recognize right. it or not. Yeah, yeah. We do feel it. If you yeah. think about it, like it's not like, Oh my goodness. I'm going to go out here, express my faith in Christ, and someone's going to, you know, maul me down. Yeah. But that the kingdom of this world oppresses me through temptation, mm-hmm. through complacency. Mm. Um, uh, we, you know, I would say America may be more oppressed, more in, con- more, <laughs> more under controlled the or yeah. under, yeah, under yeah. the influence of this, yeah. this kingdom uh, than any other place because. Because we don't feel it. Yeah. It's just a normal part of our lives. Yeah. And so this kingdom is just pressing in on us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is finally going to come and answer the prayers of the saints martyred. Yeah. Our brothers and sisters who are across the world martyred for their faith. Mm-hmm. He is going to answer their cry. So just like you heard the cry of the Israelites in bondage, he hears the cry of the martyrs underneath yeah. the altar already slain and said, How long, O Lord? How long yeah. until you avenge our blood? Mm-hmm. Uh, that we saw that, and this is the answer to that. Yeah, and um, so we are we are being oppressed, um, and if we pause and think about it, we will realize it's this, the oppression of sin, the oppression of temptation, mm-hmm. oppression of uh, you don't need you don't need God. You yeah. got all you'll ever need. It's, um, those kind of things yeah do so so um, we talked about yesterday that God, God does hear the cries of his people and he does respond um, but then you, you made a statement to the effect of God, God not doing exactly as we ask when we ask does not mean he doesn't care or doesn't hear um, and so let's talk about it for just a second because I think that um, I think that having this um, this picture from Exodus of the promised land is really is really helpful for us. Uh, because I think that I think that so often we look at we, we might pray a prayer 
but where we where we do have a momentary um, a momentary awareness of the oppression that we feel, and we pray, God, please remedy this situation. You know, something to that effect. And you, and then He does remedy it, but He doesn't do it in the way that we asked Him to. And then that makes us creep in our mind. Well, God, what what are you doing? What in the world's happening here? Um, so talk about for just a second, if you don't mind, what the the uh, talk about how the the fact that God answering in His understanding, under His power, doing the way that He wants it, when it's when it's different from how we pray, how is that still loving? Yeah, well, I, mean, I think it's helpful to look at this in the context of. Old Testament scripture primarily Mm -hmm. you know we I remember looking at the life of Joseph right Mm -hmm. so Joseph um, preceded um, the 400 years of oppression that that was how the Israelites got got there there. (laughs) that's how they got there well you know he came to he was a dreamer he came to his parents with his dream and basically the dream there's several dreams indicated that his whole family would eventually bow down to him Mm mm-hmm wouldn't you like to go to <laughs> most? Yeah. I, I would love to go tell my brothers, "Hey, uh, God gave me a dream. You guys can." Yeah. Um, that I, typically doesn't end well. No, it when doesn't. You, when you tell though, your yeah. siblings my, they're going to bow down to you, my brothers yeah. who are, are all younger than me would still like be like, "We'll see about that, buddy." You yeah. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't go well, but God did fulfill that. Yeah. But it took a long time. I started mm-hmm. calculating up. Uh, how many years it was mm-hmm. it's over 30 years yeah. you know I mean it's not like it's just lickety split mm-hmm. and God fulfills this thing no it took a long time for that to happen well that's short compared to other things in the sure. Bible yeah. you know, let's it's a just, lot shorter than 400 let's years let's just look at 400 years right yeah. so initially yeah. the people of God come because there's a famine all across the land Joseph's in a place where he can help his family out because yeah. he's helped them to save seven years worth of grain mm-hmm. uh, in the plenty so that when the seven years of famine would come, Egypt would be fine. People came from all over. Yeah. Well, Joseph forgives his brother. He says, hey, what God, you intended for evil, God intended for good because now I can save you all. Yeah. And so the people of uh, Israel, Jacob, his family, came, stayed in Egypt, mm-hmm. grew in Egypt, and um, flourished in Egypt. Yeah. Because that was the whole concern that the Pharaoh had. Right. Was like, hey, there's more Israelites than there are Egyptians. They're going to overthrow us. Like, if they have any inclination of the power that they have, they could overthrow us. And he was worried about that. He was, you know, he wasn't just a king. He was, like, they worshipped him as a god. And so he loved that and liked that and and wanted that. Right. Well, and it even says that, um, you know, that at the beginning of Exodus, which comes right after the end of that story of Joseph, that... It was a new Pharaoh comes to power mm-hmm. who had had no concern for yeah. Joseph. And he didn't his know family. Joseph and yeah. all his family. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know what what took place in all that? You know, oppression got worse and worse and worse and worse yeah. to where it's just like you know they, they were slaves. Terrible. Yeah, they terrible. were in slavery. It's yeah. terrible. And um, and God says, I've heard the cries of my people long enough. Mm-hmm. But it took four hundred years for God to answer that. You yeah. know, what I mean, like, you know. God's timing is not our timing. Mm-hmm. Um, God sees what we do not see. Yeah. Um, I would say in our day and age, particularly, we 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 want things to be fixed right away. Yeah. Um, and and for God, it's the journey sometimes that we go through that helps us to appreciate what He's done for us all the more. Yeah. And then another thing is that what what is the end goal here, mm. right? What is what is 
what should our hearts long for? What are we saved to and for? Are we saved just for a, a better life on earth? I mean, God, you know, God's word does say that, you know, I, I've given you life and life to the full, you mm-hmm. know, so like there is supposed to be an abundant life here. Uh, but this life is not the end, end yeah. game. Well, and I think you have, you have to be really clear about the definition of abundance too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that doesn't mean monetary gain. No. That doesn't mean prestige, um, because I think that uh, our brothers and sisters in yeah. the Middle East and in Asia would have a lot to say about yeah. what a, what an abundant life looks yeah. like. Yeah. I think it's abundance of, of the blessings of God. And Absolutely. Understanding yeah. Who you are in Him. Yeah. And and I think it's experiencing the blessings of the kingdom of God while we're here on earth knowing that it's only going to get better once we're not you know yeah and and I, so I think we forget you know it's like we're, we're kind of like the people of Israel in the wilderness mm. we're waiting still yeah. the entry to the promised land yeah. and that promised land is coming I think it's why John in the end says Maranatha you know uh, come, come Lord quickly yeah come uh, even so come quickly Lord you know so it's it's because he realizes, hey, what's to come is better than what's been. You yeah. Know? And it's it's like, you know, finally we get to cross over into the things that God has promised. That's the end goal. Like, yeah. that's the thing he's saving us for, you right. know? Like, no one, you know, like, I mean, God still gave manna from heaven in the wilderness. I mean, mm-hmm. he provided all the things they need. Their, their clothes didn't rot. Their shoes didn't yeah. wear uh, out. Tear, out, tear up. You know, I mean, it's like... He provided all that they needed, even in the midst of all that. And God still does that for us. Yeah. But this is not the end game. This is not mm-hmm. the end goal. Like, th- this is the kingdom of this earth. It will one day crumble. It was never meant to be the promised land for us. Yeah, The promised land is something we still wait. We're, we are like uh, David and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were pulled out of Israel and placed into um, Babylonian um, yeah. Exile. Yeah, uh, they still flourished in that. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't the land for which they were destined. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We are we are Christians in exile, and God will mm-hmm. uh, uh, bless us in that. And give us yeah. um, you know the abundance of knowing Him and, and the blessings that come from Him. But but that's not the goal. Like right. the goal is. One day I get to be with him in heaven. That's the promised land. Right. Yeah, I mean that's Peter. Peter talks about that, right? Yeah. That we're we're aliens in this land. We're sojourners mm-hmm. that are just passing through, and um, and I, I think that um, to look at the Israelites in the wilderness is really instructive for us. I think because um, the, I think that we could look at uh, a passage like this, and while we don't have the, uh, it's a different perspective for us because. We're looking at this as looking forward as opposed to looking back at the Exodus. Um, but I think that we could look at this and go, well, but there's some things that are being destroyed and taken away here that I really like. And um, and so I think that it's important for us to have the right perspective. because I, And I've, I've said this before, that so many of our problems when it comes to our walk with Christ is that we have too high a view of ourselves and too low a view of God. And, um, and so I think it's important to remember where we fall in the hierarchy here, <laughs> um, that we are way, way down here and God is way up here. And not in like a, he doesn't, um, he, he doesn't oppress us or lord over us. It's just that 
as Isaiah says, his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts that there's just no basis of comparison. Um, and so to, to the point um, that, that we talked about yesterday, um, you know, we, we talked about that God hears, hears our cries, that, that they don't go unanswered, um, that, that ultimately evil will be punished, and that's what we're, we see happening here. Um, but then to me, one of the most beautiful things is that that final point that you made yesterday was that there still remains an opportunity for people to cry out to God, that we still have that mm-hmm. opportunity. Um, so for just a moment, let's talk about that idea that um, even in the midst of what may or may not be perceived as oppression, we have the opportunity to still cry out to God. Um, and and he, he hears our cries and he answers our cries, just maybe not in the way that we expect him to. Um, so talk about what what is the, um, I think one of the real sort of like rubber meets the road things, like a, a handle to hold on to this week maybe, is the hope that we find even in the midst of all this craziness, right? Mm-hmm. So t- let, let's talk about for a second um, the hope that we find in knowing that we still have an opportunity to cry out to God. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned, you know, how how high above us God is, and that is certainly true. It's it's the transcendence of God. He, yeah. he transcends all things. Absolutely. If he doesn't, he's not God. Right. <laughs> right. But one of the things Scripture holds so great intention mm-hmm. that it's hard for us to understand is that God, though he is transcendent, he is approachable and mm-hmm. available. Yeah. He's not some earthly king that's sitting on a throne that views the subjects of his town or city um, from afar, <laughs> just like some peasants yeah. that he lords over. No, God is fully approachable. In fact, he himself came like the pauper, you know, mm-hmm. to live among us, yeah. you know, or whatever. I mean, right. if you want to use some of that imagery from even fairy tales, you know, that, that idea of kings and mm-hmm. paupers and prince yeah, yeah, and pauper yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But that's who that's who God is, and that's what Scripture holds in great tension. Mm-hmm. That that is, but in balance. Not, right. I mean, it's this 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 tension, this paradoxical tension, but it is completely balanced in that He is transcendent, but He is approachable. Even yeah. in the throne room of heaven, seen in Revelation chapter five, we see that uh, He is. You know, lightning's coming out of His throne, and mm-hmm. thunder, uh, peals of thunder all around Him. Yet, the, the the all of creation is there, mm-hmm. worshiping at his feet. Yeah, um, they are with him. They're able to be there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's part of it. Is that you know, we kind of see the almighty hand of God in something like this that can, in an instant you know, decimate one third of the population yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh my goodness, who is this? You know, that's yeah. not the, the, the long haired, um, you know, <laughs> soft, uh, lighting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, perfectly quaffed beard Jesus of, <laughs> right. of, of, um, of, you know, what we've learned growing up that yeah. this is something terrible and awful yet beautiful and amazing too. Yeah. And and um, but in that we see this availability for people still to come. Mm-hmm. We looked yesterday in this point at another parallel from from the Exodus. Really, is still yeah. they're finally entering the Promised Land, and they come up on Jericho. Mm-hmm. Jericho represents the kingdom of this world, an oppressive kingdom, yeah. um, um, something that. Um, 
needed to be uh, dealt with. And yeah. so we see this story, you know, and we, we've, you know, we've made it kid life because we have little songs you know? mm-hmm. and the walls came tumbling down, <laughs> yeah down. yeah so but <laughs> yeah but they did right the the kingdom of this world toppled at the power of god almighty mm-hmm. but lest we not forget what who is at the center of that story in town mm-hmm. and what is at the story of that town in that decimation of of jericho is redemption of the messianic line of Christ right. through a prostitute in her family. Yeah. And you know, we, we forget those kind of things that the walls didn't just come tumbling down. There was someone there who cried out to God mm-hmm. through the spies that came to learn about the city and, and look at it. Yeah. Someone there cried out to God and says, Listen, we've heard stories of your God, and he's unlike any other God. Yeah. He brings terror to us. We are afraid of what he may do to this place. Yeah. And we trust that he will do it. Mm-hmm. Will you remember us? Yeah. Will we be spared? Can we be rescued? Mm. And you see in that a scarlet rope, you know, it's right. just this tinge, this this beautiful glimpse mm-hmm. of the redemption of Christ. You yeah. know, this, the scarlet thread that winds through all scripture. Yeah. And here it is in this moment. Uh, and because she cries out, she is rescued. Yeah. Uh, one... Would, would appear and seem in all of our minds as of completely unworthy. Right. Her whole, her whole name is Rahab, Rahab the, the harlot. harlot. Rahab, yeah. Rahab the prostitute. Like, it's a part of her name that's how renowned mm-hmm. she is yeah. for this uh, way of living. Yeah. Yet, all she does is cry out and mm-hmm. God rescues her. She uh, ends up marrying uh, David's old great-great-granddad. Yeah. And... In, in the rest is history. The, right. the, 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 the Davidic line, the, the kingly line comes from her, and ultimately the messianic line comes yeah. from Ray, this, this person that was rescued out of the midst of the kingdom mm-hmm. that came toppling down under the hand of God. Right. The same thing is true in Revelation 8. The kingdom of God, or the kingdom of this world, will come toppling down under the hand, the mighty hand of God, yet there are still people that we would deem potentially unworthy and if we we should all we should deem ourselves all unworthy. yeah we're all unworthy right but those people still have the opportunity to be rescued mm-hmm. and we'll see uh, ultimately the, where that opportunity comes yeah. um, um in, in later chapters of revelation where um there is an opportunity for people to come yeah. uh, to faith in christ so that rescue is still there um there still remains an opportunity for us, for people, mm-hmm. to cry out to God, yeah. uh, for ultimate like salvation. Ultimately, that's that's why He tarries. That's mm-hmm. why Revelation eight is being <clears throat> stayed in heaven. We saw it. Yeah. In, we saw it in chapter seven, right? Yeah. Where God said, "Hey, yeah, hold on, hold back." Yeah, yeah. We can literally hear the hoof hoof prints mm-hmm. of the horses of the apocalypse. But He's saying, "Nope, I got to steal all these people first. Yeah, and so that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, and that's that's yeah. what's still in the midst of this harrowing chapter there is this moment of mercy there's this moment of grace there's this moment of we can still call out to god yeah. there is an opportunity for people to be saved still right and um and um the 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 balanced tension of that and that even that is paradoxical but the balanced tension of god is transcendent able to do whatever he decides and deems yeah. possible 
yet he makes a way. It's, it reminds me of, uh, I think it's Psalm 8, and David says, who, are, who am I that you would think on me? Yeah. He saw himself yeah. in that small stature, uh, stature you know, compared to God in that moment in right. Psalm 8. And uh, I think that's something we must understand too, but, but David also was crying out to God in that moment. Yeah. And God heard him. Right. The same is true for us. He is transcendent, yet he's approachable. Yeah. We can come to him. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of pictures that, that came into my head from Scripture uh, as you talked that, that about that tension that holds of God being ultimately terrifyingly powerful and yet loving and compassionate mm-hmm. at the same time. And he, an easy one, my mind goes to Isaiah 6, mm-hmm. where Isaiah sees, gets his vision of God mm-hmm. and uh, and his response is, I should not be here. Yeah. I don't belong here. Yeah. And yet, God uh, connects with him. And, 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 and in the same instance, Isaiah says, I shouldn't be here. But he also says, hey, I'll go out for you yeah. <laughs> at the same time. And so send you, me. Yeah, send me, God. And then also... Well, in, even in that picture, he acknowledges his sin yeah. and his sin is, is, is rectified. Yeah. Absolutely. because an angel brings a hot coal, places on her lips, mm-hmm. because he says, "I'm a sin, I'm a, a man of unclean, clean lips. And yeah. I live among a people of unclean lips." And so he says, "I'll clean that for you." Yeah, absolutely. I'll cauterize that sin. I'll forgive that sin. It's just this image of the the redemption of Jesus Christ yeah. to cover the sins. Yes, absolutely. we acknowledge in light of who God is, we are sinful. But God made a way for us to have that cleansed and forgiven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then the other the other picture comes to mind just from Revelation chapter one, where John gets this vision mm-hmm. of Jesus in all of his glory, and it says he falls at his feet as though a dead man. But what's the first thing that Jesus does? He comes over, and I, I just I have this picture of Jesus just grabbing his chin and like, hey brother, just stand up, man. Mm-hmm. You, you you can be here yeah. because I've forgiven you. Yeah. And um, man, what a beautiful picture mm-hmm. of God's incredible power. But his incredible mercy and grace yeah. at the same time, and um, and I, and I think that that's that is vital for us to keep that in view mm-hmm. in our hearts when we come to the to these conversations about God, especially in chapters when it's really difficult, you know. Yeah, to look and at though it. it is difficult, it's not hard to see if you just dig. Absolutely, a bit. yeah, and you don't even have to dig that far. No, just yeah. look, just get. Don't get distracted. Mm-hmm. Don't get distracted by all the all the destruction, but look still and see. Yeah. Well, and this is to your point about looking at the immediate context. Like, mm-hmm. if we don't have that picture of Jesus from chapter 1, chapter 8 doesn't yeah. make sense. No. And so, since we do have that picture of who Jesus mm-hmm. is, chapter 8 is like, hey, I may not like this, but he has full authority to do mm-hmm. this. Yeah. You know, he can do whatever he wants. Um, and I know he loves me. Yeah. In, in the midst of what looks like difficulty, mm-hmm. I know Jesus loves me. Yeah. Uh, and that's an important thing to remember. Absolutely. So. That's good. Right. Yeah, it is good stuff, good stuff. Well, this is where we turn it over to you. What What are your thoughts? How, how have you been reminded of God's incredible power, but also God's incredible grace at the same time? Um, we would love to know about that. We'd love to have a conversation with you. You can email us at thepath at lafayettefirst.life, or you can comment on any of our social media stuff. You'll see it there. Um, but we would encourage you to, to engage with us so that we might have a conversation in that. We'll continue next week uh, looking at chapter 9 of Revelation as we get an even fuller picture of these trumpet blasts that are continuing to come out. So until next time, I am Jason. I'm Derek. And we will see you next time as you join us on the path.